This episode is going to be really good. We're talking all about how to love after you've been hurt, how to love difficult people. And there's a lot to unpack here. And I just want to have a little um, disclaimer, I guess you could say, because we talk often about romantic relationships. And we're going to talk about a lot of different relationships in this podcast. But I want to clarify, there are a lot of relationships that are worth fighting for. And sometimes there are relationships that need to be walked away from. So as you're listening to this and you're thinking as it pertains to your relationship and whatever that might mean in your specific situation, know that the telltale signs is if there is a pattern of healing and a pattern of being on the same page and a pattern of honesty, those are good signs. If there are patterns of lying and deceit and also not for the same team, like you're you're fighting one another or you know that um, they're not out for your best interest versus someone who is on your team and does have your best interest in mind. Those are two huge different scenarios. And people who are not on your same team don't have your best interest in mind and continuing to lie is a relationship you need to walk away from. And the opposite is perhaps worth fighting for. Obviously, tons of variables and all of that. But I just want you to have that in your mind as we unpack today, because we're going to talk about a lot of good stuff. Hey, my name is Katie Bulmer. I was your typical heartbroken and hungover sorority girl who looked for love in boys, Bacardi, and did I mention boys? After the breakup that broke me, I met the only man who can truly fulfill me. His name is Jesus. Shortly after that, I met my husband, the best example I have met of Jesus on this earth. Today, I have never been more sure I am right where I'm supposed to be on a mission to help today's young women find their life calling, stop dating dirtbags, and basically just be who I needed when I was younger. I've been called a big sis, an adopted mom, or my favorite title, a cool aunt. But however you think of me, get ready to be challenged and encouraged. This is the Truth For Your 20s podcast. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Truth For Your 20s podcast. My name is Katie, and I am your host. And today I'm talking with my new friend, Adam Weber. I'm thrilled about this conversation as it especially relates to the year that we're living in, the political climate that we're living in, and what it looks like to love people. And not just the cute love everyone on a t-shirt, but like really love, even when there's hurt, even when there's disagreements, even when you always don't see eye to eye. And Adam has a lot of expertise in this area and a book on it. And we're going to have a conversation about it. So welcome, Adam, to the podcast. Uh, Katie, I am honored to be on with you today and just excited about, about our conversation and getting the chance to sit down with you two is a huge blessing to me. Well, you are such a cool dude. So explain to us, we were just saying you live in South Dakota, which is exciting because it's proof that people actually live there. <laughs> I, I am. I'm from South Dakota. There's only a couple of us here. We have lots of open space right now. We've been socially distanced actually for since the beginning of time out here. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're uh, yeah, born and raised in South Dakota and I pastor a church in Sioux Falls. Uh, called Embrace. Never wanted to be a pastor or start a church, but did that. Been married to my wife, Becky, uh, for 16 years. We have four kids, still trying to figure out where kids come from because they <laughs> they need to stop showing up on our doorstep. And um, yeah, I like all all things old. So if you have an old collection of anything, I'm automatically your best friend and want to spend time in your attic looking through old stuff with you. 
But yeah, that's a little bit about me. Written a couple of books and um, just so grateful for the life that I have. I've, I've right now I feel like I'm standing in the best season of my life, and so I'm I'm really really grateful for that. All things old. I have never heard that, and I find that fascinating. I'm curious. Do you like old music? Because I'm a big fan of like the 60s and 70s. I do like old music. My high school my high school car was a 66 Ford Falcon and so I only had AM in there and so I grew to love old music whether I wanted to listen to old music or not because it's the only option I, I had in my car but yeah, old music, typewriters, old pens, record players, cars, you name it, it's it's an obsession. Interesting. If if only they could talk, right? Like they have a story to tell. Ah, that, 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 like you're, you're drilling down into my soul right now. Yes. Yes. I just, I just got another old car. My wife says, this is it. It's, it's, it's the only car I could fit in my garage. It's a 1947 Crosley and a gal dropped it off to me with her husband and it was her dad's and her dad's dad's car originally. And she's like, I care nothing about cars, but when I see this car, I think about my dad. Her dad, her dad passed away a few years ago. And I just, I, I said, I said to her, I'm like, can you tell me about her, your dad a little bit? And so she did. And I, I said this, that makes me love this car even more. Like, so we need to restore it. We're going to make it happen. Oh my goodness. Well, that just shows a little bit, just your love for people and conversations and that we all have a story to tell. And I love that. You know, I was thinking recently about how when you get frustrated with someone and you like, what is, how can you not see this side? And why, why don't you see it the way I see it? And essentially it's because we have limited views and there's so much to this conversation of grace. So anyway, I guess take us to like your book and why you decided to write that the most recent one. I know you have two, but the most recent one. Yeah. So my, my most recent book's called love has a name. And I wrote this book coming out of the hardest season of my life. I, I did a two book deal and I, I've joked with close friends. If it wasn't a two book deal, I don't know if I would have written a book, but because I kind of had to, it forced me to put what I was going through on paper. And now I, I thank God for that. Cause uh, genuinely speaking, since, since I was born, I've, I've just loved people. Like I, I'm fascinated by people. My wife always tells me that strange rangers are attracted to me. And I take, I take that as like the best compliment ever. So I've just always loved people. And I can remember in high school seeing older folks that would become jaded. And it was like, what, at what point in life do you become like this jaded, angry man? Because it just, it just seemed unfathomable to me. Well, now fast forward, I'm 38 years old. And I ask the same question, just the total opposite. It's like, how do you get to become 60, 70, 80 and still love people, still Mm. assume the best, still have joy, not be defensive, not be, not be just bitter at everybody. Cause now that feels impossible. And so a few years ago, I just went through a really hard season of feeling hurt and betrayed and wronged. And I didn't want, for the first time in my life, didn't want to love anybody. I wanted to love my wife, my kids, a few close friends, and that's it. And it's kind of bizarre because that's where it feels like our world is at right now. It feels like I was at three years ago. Everybody's like, I want to watch out for my family, couple friends, and everybody else can mind their own business. But thankfully, God didn't let me stay there. And so I began on this journey of what does it look like to love people? 
And so that's, that's really where the words came from in the book. So often it is, you grow up and you become an uh, elderly person and, and you're jaded and you're, you know, grumpy or whatever it is. But instead you're asking, how do you get older in life and say, and assume the best? I'm, I'm picturing Bob Goff, right? <laughs> the yes. quintessential, like I, yes. yes. Wow. You're a murderer. Cool. What's, what's good about you? Like, let's talk about the good in you because I'm sure that's there too. And that's the beauty. Um, I was talking about this with one of my friends the other day, how people grow up. I've, I've heard two stories, you know, uh, someone who grew up with a crack addict, drug addicted parents who were abusive and, you know, went away jaded and blaming their parents for all things wrong. And an exact same sibling looking back saying, my parents did the best they could. And, and I don't hold that against them. And, and it made me who I am. And just that viewpoint is a game changer perspective changes everything. Cause I, I have an older man. He, uh, he was a mentor of mine that passed away a few years ago named Roger Fredrickson, 93 years old. And every time I was around him, I felt like I was hanging out with a 20 year old in the best way. Like he just, he just had the softest heart, you know, and I'm like, here's the guy who's been through trials. He's lost his wife at this point. She passed away, experienced heartache. I'm like, how do you do this? And I think it's really a perspective thing. You know, if I was to ask anybody listening right now, who are the five people that have hurt you, wronged you, you feel just like you've been overlooked or, or walked on, I'm guessing we could list those names. You know, it's the names of the people that we've cursed out in our car when it's just been ourselves, when, you know, we see them on Facebook and we're like, gosh, I just kind of wish they'd fail. You know, like <sighs> we, th- we think horrible things. Like, I, like, honestly, like, I hope their marriage falls apart. I hope they get. I hope they get fired. Those are evil things to think, but we feel those. And the person who's like, I don't feel those things. Uh, lying is also wrong too. <laughs> but so we often think about those people. But what if we began to focus on the five people who have loved us so well? They showed up when nobody else showed up. They stuck by us when we were horrible people. Yet they still loved us. They 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 were generous to us. They got us a job interview when we did not like deserve that job interview at all. Who are those people? Because um, I think it's John Acuff who has always said a thousand compliments plus one criticism equals one criticism. Yeah, and that's what we do with with people who have hurt and wronged us. A thousand wonderful people plus one person who's wronged us equals one person who's wronged us. And I just, I think if we began to change our perspective, and so that's what God did with me. He just began to say, hey, Adam, I know you feel wronged right now and really hurt right now, but think about all the people who are still with you right now and have been there all, all throughout your life. And so that's what, that's what began to change. And so in the, in, the, in the book, and I don't want to talk all about the book, but the book is the names of 27 people who have either loved me or I've tried to love them combined with someone similar that Jesus loved. And so it's these people all throughout my life who have just loved me well. And really through that process, I began, no joke, to heal. And I I think it's all about perspective and who do you focus on. And within each person, there's something powerful that happens when you get to know their story. When that, that angry neighbor, when you find out they lost their wife to cancer, or you find out that they're battling alcoholism, it may not change anything that person says or does. They might continue to be a really hard neighbor, but all of a sudden you begin to feel compassion for them. 
you're like, man, I heard it was his anniversary. And I'm guessing specifically today, he's missing his wife. Um, and maybe we should go shovel their sidewalk. It's like, why are we shoveling his sidewalk? He's a mean old guy and he doesn't like our kids when they step on his grass. But it, all of a sudden you begin to be moved with compassion when you find out somebody's story. Oh man. And isn't that so much more attractive to the world than sitting around, well, they were grumpy to me and I don't deserve to like them. They don't deserve love, whatever it may be. And even if you're the most justified, okay, but what if you can see the good in them? Love has a name as, as the book says, that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Like when you begin to see a person as a human rather as like just their negative attributes or what they yeah. can give you. I, you know, this even in, in the line at, at, at Starbucks, like, come on, hurry up. Why are you taking so long? Like all of a sudden, but you see the person as a person, it changes you and it also changes them. Uh, one of the things I, I try to do just at, even at a line like Starbucks, uh, the other day, um, you know, I drove up, got my coffee, drove up to the window and she was in robot robot mode of like, okay, $3.17 for your iced coffee with sugar-free vanilla and extra cream. You know, like <laughs> here it is. And all I said to her was, uh, I really like your glasses. And yeah. she went from full robot mode, like, you know, like not even looking at me, take my card, whatever, to all of a sudden she just stopped. And all, it was just like I snapped my fingers and said, you're a human. Oh, and she just, she became human in front of me and, oh, man, that's and good. Hey, th- Hey, thank you so much. I, I got them last week and I've really liked those glasses. They're beautiful. That's the first thing I, I noticed when I pulled up was those glasses. I mean, it's just all of a sudden she feels loved and human and who knows how long she stayed in human mode. Maybe as soon as I pull away, she went back into kind of mechanical mode before that second, at least I let her know that she was still human. And there's something that changes my soul when when I when when we love people, and also something that changes them drastically. And it's so cool, even just to think about if the next person was rude, maybe the kindness that she saw or experienced, she was able to respond out of that same kindness, and much greater than me saying her glasses are nice. You know, I would argue that when when we ha- when we receive God's love uh, on a regular basis. And the overflow of that, we're able to extend that to the people around us. Yes. You can't pour from an empty cup. <laughs> yeah. Again, and I think a few years ago, that's what I realized. Because before, that was my strong suit, was being able just to genuinely care about people. But now it's like, I feel like I have none on my own. Like e- Even right now, I, I watch the news or I see political stuff, and I'm immediately angry at this kind of everybody. And so it's like, God, I need to stay connected to you. I need to stay connected to the well. Otherwise, I'm in trouble. And I'm just, I just become this angry old man that I don't want to become. And, and maybe for the person listening, my prayer for you is that you begin to catch yourself when you say or do or even feel things that you're just like, I don't want to become that person. You know, like we can change that. That this, just to let anybody know, like, God can change us. We don't have to continue to go down the road of bitterness and jadedness. That doesn't have to be our story. We can change that. And so that would be my prayer for anybody who's just that snarky, like, did I just give the middle finger to another driver? (laughs) Like, did I really just say, did I really feel that evil thought 
about somebody who's wronging you, that's evil. And uh, that we just catch ourselves because that that's not life-giving to others. And more than that, it's not life-giving to our own souls. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, it's human nature, though. You, you get angry. People frustrate us. And you want to be like, yeah, rah, 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 rah. and but I think what you said was very powerful. It's not life-giving to ourselves. Like, it's normal to want to, like, bubble up and, and explode. But it doesn't help the other person. Obviously, we know that. But it doesn't help us. Like, it, it's just tearing away at our what is it the saying like um unforgiveness is drinking trying to what's the poison you know i'm trying to say yeah drinking poison hoping the other person will die that's it yes (laughs) yeah yeah. that that is so true so one of the actually one of the other things i started to do during this time uh of just trying to get back i mean again just really what's broken coming out of this season and one of the things i began to do is i began to pray each day god help me to find one person today that I can go out of my way to love or, or, or serve. Help me just to find one person a day that I can go out of my way to love and serve. And again, at the, you know, like at that time and still now, I, you know, pastor a larger church, have a staff of 27, some people have four kids married, all this kind of stuff. That just seems like another to-do list, but actually it became the highlight of my day mm. was just like, I'm going to go. And it was almost a way of taking the focus off myself and being inward focused and angry and bitter. It's like, I'm going to find one person that I can go out of my way to love and serve. And it turned into the greatest adventure ever. And some, some days it would totally fail. Like I would try to do something and it's like, okay, that does, what am I even doing here? And other times the, the person would be like, wow, that was amazing. Other times the person wouldn't even notice that I did something. But it wasn't about the response. It was just about me. Like, God, today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love somebody that doesn't maybe deserve it. Like, why am I doing this? And it, that, that was one of the greatest life givers that I, that I did. And it was just because it took the focus off myself and placed it on God and it placed it on others. Focus off yourself. That, that, that's powerful. All right. So this is obviously a game changer, just being the one who can bring life at the Starbucks line or, you know, to someone you work with and all of that. And that is beautiful. Um, but I want to take it st- like step further as it goes into like deeper relationships. So first I want to like, as this conversation relates to someone, perhaps not a family member or someone who's super close to you, but someone with a very different viewpoint that is hard for you to see past. So you see very different politically or religiously or one of these like pain points in human nature that makes our claws come out. Um, Maybe as a colleague, we're not going to go into family yet. I'd like to go to that next, but um, I'm curious how we talk to and love someone who we just completely disagree with on, on a huge topic. It's not easy. And the, the closer they are, the harder it is. Uh, you know, if it's a sibling or whatnot, I, I think for me, don't feel like you need to enter into every crazy conversation. Yeah. You know, oftentimes the other person, if they're unhealthy, they're going to try to bring up the controversial question with you. You don't have, you don't have to do that. And so, so maybe if there's, if it's really a conversation that you struggle to have a level headed conversation with on something that's controversial, just don't do it. Yeah. Uh, talk with them about anything else, you know, yeah. Look for a way to connect with them about anything else. If you're, if you have a connection with sports, if you have a connection with, with parenting, anything else that you can talk about. And if it comes up and you know, it's kind of coming up out of a snarky place, 
maybe maybe just even say like hey like i just i just i just right now i just i just really can't handle that conversation right now i just know i i say things and I, so i'm just not at a healthy place in that area i mean I, I think even just to say that but really look for the common ground in that person that you do have focus focus on that i'd also challenge you to find out more of their story like uh if if it's not something that you, that's super close to you and it's a coworker, find out more of their story, almost for your own soul, because because really when we get angry and we're jaded and we're snarky, rarely is it ever actually about politics and who's yeah. president of our country. That's what's so crazy. I'm like, rarely is it actually about that. It's a person who might feel overlooked or unseen, or a person who's never never had their 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 viewpoint validated. And so I, I think just begin to look for ways to serve that person, maybe, maybe just even to honor that person, which sounds crazy. If they do well at a project at work, write them a note and say, wow, you crushed that, that, that project. Or even tell a coworker, like, hey, in front of that person, hey, man, you should see what they did on this project. It was a great idea. They did it so well. There's, um, some, there's something about actions like that that the other person will be like, why are they doing that? And the why you're doing that is because they're a human being made in the image of God. Like that's, that's why you might need to start there. If there's like no other reason, it's like, I don't even know because I see no image of God in this person left. They're, they're just a wretched soul, but, but they are made in the image of God. And so it's just like, nope, God, because of you, this is your son. This is your daughter. I'm just going to love them well. I promise you that person will slowly begin to warm up. If they don't, they, that, that's, not yours to, that's not your job to, to change who they are. It's your job to love them well. And An example, this guy wasn't an antagonist at all. He's a small business owner here locally who is an outspoken atheist. Very different from me in every way, shape, or form. So I would go into his business every so often about five, six years ago, and we struck up a friendship. A few times he kind of razzed me a little bit about being a Christian, a pastor, um, in, in his business, even kind of in front of people would razz me a little bit. <clears throat> and I just loved him. Well, you know, I was just like, Hey, I'd, I'd see him. Hey dude, how are you doing? How was your weekend? You told me you're going to do that thing. And he was just blown. He was shocked. You know, you could just see it on his face. Like, why are you being kind to me when I've made fun of not just your, your beliefs, but what you do for a living? Well, it, the businesses, some of our businesses shut down with COVID. And his business did too. Um, but in the middle of that, um, we began to reopen businesses. I was walking on the sidewalk one day. He saw me walking. He turned his vehicle around, got out and said, hey, Adam. I'm like, dude, how are you doing? And he's like, I'm doing good. You know, it's a stressful time. Our business is closed, blah, 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 blah. Um, I got a weird favor for you. My business is opening back up, you know, this next week. Would you be willing to stop and pray over my business. Um, and I was like, what? I was like, what? And he's like, I know I'm a terrible atheist. Why am I doing this? And I said, no, this is the greatest honor. I would love to love to. And he said, really? I'm like, yes, I would love to. Here's an atheist business owner that thinks nothing like me. That's now just invited me to pray over his business, you know, like, and you could see the fear in his eyes about his business and he's reaching out. Like that's the type of thing that happens when we just love people. Well, we, we often want to lead with our political argument because we want to change them. 
I've never seen arguments, even really good arguments, change anything. But yeah. I've seen I've seen love change person after person, politics, lifestyle, everything. Man, this is powerful. What I keep hearing is take the focus off yourself. You know, even if you feel wronged, even if you feel insulted or whatever, as you may have felt in that situation, it's not about you and you want to know who that person is. And, and they, maybe they were coming at it because their great uncle once removed was the meanest Christian they've ever met in their life. (laughs) And they're projecting that on you. Yeah, totally. That's so true. Like that, that like what it's, it's so often not about us. And even if it is about us, even if we were the person that, that wronged somebody just to earn that back, and to mm-hmm. to like even to just to confess that in in a right situation just to say hey I want to I want to let you know a couple of years ago I hurt you like I, I took the credit for a project you worked on that was not okay and I just wanted you to know I'm so sorry there's power in saying I'm sorry the relationship might never recover and that that's okay that's not that's not on you um, it might not be reciprocated they might say well s- screw you you know like. But but there's something powerful about saying I'm I'm sorry, um, saying thank you, uh, just like just honoring a person uh, that that really changes because just like you said, their experience with with Christians might be horrendous. On a on a almost once a month, once every other month from stage, I try to say I'm sorry uh, on behalf of like the worldwide church. I'm just yeah. like, hey, if you've been wronged, uh, if you've been 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 mistreated. Um, I just want you to know, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Do you know that I have an evergreen course, meaning you can take it whenever you want to, called Making a Dating Plan? The idea came from my most popular quiz. I have about 3,000 girls who have taken my free quiz, How to Make a Dating Plan, which you can access anytime you want. It helps you decide what matters to you in a dating relationship. From there, I made a $5 PDF just to help you unpack what matters to you, put it on paper, really creating a blueprint or a plan before you walk into potentially one of the biggest decisions of your life, a dating relationship. And lastly, I have a super affordable, just $29 mini course unpacking this further, what it means to make priorities as it pertains to dating. You can find all of the good stuff on my website at katiebolmer.life. Um, I'm curious, you mentioned, you know, how to love someone as the example that Jesus gave us and because everyone is made in an image of God, but what if someone was like, okay, that's cool, but I don't believe that. And even if I did, what's in it for me, so to speak, because I, it is, this is a hard subject we're talking about. And it's hard to set yourself to the side and say, I'm going to love this butthead, even though nothing in me wants to love them. So what's in it for them? So, I mean, you know, I don't know a better way to put that, but how is it freeing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to share just the churchy answer really quick. Um, there's a guy named John in the Bible who uh, refers to himself as the one that he loves. Like he, he, like his, his uh, way that, you know, like, what do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. I'm the husband of whatever, how he defines himself as, is as the one that he loves. Like that basically like he's loved by God. Like, so this guy is like, just like, that's his identity. I'm, I'm the one that God loves. That's pretty cool. But anyways, he talks all about, about love. And he says, when we love one another, God's perfect love is made his God's love is made perfect within us. So when we love one another, God's perfect love is God's love is made perfect within us. And I've always understood that verse is when we love another person, they see the perfect love of God inside of us. That's pretty cool. Like 
whoa, that's pretty rad. But but here's what like really hit me just about a year year and a half ago. It's it's not just true for the person that we love, but it's also true for us when we love one another. God's love is made perfect within us. I've always wondered why does it feel so good to love another person with no strings attached, even when it's really hard. And I just felt like God was like, because in those moments, my love is made perfect inside you. Like why it feels so good to love another person is, is because you're never closer to the heart of God than when you love somebody with no strings attached. So, so that's, that's kind of like the churchy answer behind it. But I, I really feel like so I wasn't a Christian for a long, long time. And there were different things in life that I'm like, I can't deny this. I, I would say that's one of those undeniable things that even taking God out of the equation, there's something that feels so good about loving somebody with no strings attached. Actually, if you have strings attached, it's no longer love. So even when we even when we do a kind gesture to our coworker, if there's a part of us that's like, I hope they send me a thank you note for that, or they better be really friendly now, like that's that's not actually love anymore. But when we just love somebody and it's like, I don't really care if they're they stay a wretched soul or or whatever, there's something so life giving and joy giving about that. You know, I, I, I one quick example. Uh, I'm just, I'm just like loving and like, even when I didn't want to. So this is about, about two and a half years ago, I woke up one morning, it was my weekend and I felt like I was supposed to make chocolate chip cookies. Now, uh, I don't know why I'm like, the only thing I can make by the way, is chocolate chip cookies. They're amazing. (laughs) Anything else that I make is terrible, but I make amazing chocolate chip cookies. So I woke up one morning and I'm like, I just felt like I was supposed to make cookies and I'm like, I don't want to make cookies. And it's like, go make cookies. I'm like, that's a that's a terrible waste of my time. It's my weekend. I want to relax. But I just kept feeling, go make cookies. So I yelled at my daughter, hey, Grayson, would you want to make cookies with me? She's like, yes, I'd love to. So we make the cookies about halfway through. She's like, what are we going to do with these? And I said, baby, that's what I call her. I'm like, baby, would you want to go make a, a piece of paper that says free cookies, take one, please? So she ran upstairs, came back down with this piece of paper, bedazzled that said free cookies, take one, please. We finished the, finished the cookies. We, we went to the street corner in front of my house and sat down with two chairs in her sign with our cookies. Mind you, again, the whole time away from the time with my daughter, I'm like, this is such a waste of time. Why are we doing this? Blah, blah, blah. So we sit out. The moment we sit down, person after person starts walking by taking cookies. There's a man who walks by, takes a cookie. There's a young young girl who walks by with, with her dad. They get a cookie. All these random people. Cookies in like 40 minutes, all of them are gone. I go back in. The entire time I was complaining. I'm just like, what a waste of time. Well, about four months later, a couple of friends and I, we went to the local food pantry and we took free professional photos for people. So they would come up to the food pantry, get their free family photo taken go eat their meal. And then when they came back out, they'd have a free framed eight by 10 photo of their family. Aww. So we're, we're doing this. Uh, I, I asked Facebook friends to donate the eight by 10 frame. So we had like 208 by 10 frames, two local photographers who are awesome. So we're doing this. Well, halfway through this man walks up and he's angry. He like, he looks angry. I thought he was angry. He, he's like you. And he's pointing right at me. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, he's angry. <sighs> He's like, you, and I'm, I'm like, oh my goodness, why is he yelling? And he said, were you and a little girl on a street corner giving out cookies? 
I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is the one man who hates my cookie recipe. Or, or like, did he get food poisoning? What, what happened? And it, it, so I'm like, yeah, it was me. And then he said, this man is amazing. And I said, no, 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 no. And he's like, amazing. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not. And he said, that day I had just lost my job. I was walking home and I was starving. And I saw you and this little girl selling something and I knew I didn't have any money. And so I crossed over to the side of the street and then you yelled out free cookies. And he said, first off, that was the best cookie I've ever tasted. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like God, keep me humble. God, please. <laughs> and then secondly, he said, that day, I just needed to know that someone loved me, that God cared, saw me and he cared for me and he was going to provide for me. He's like, I just want to thank you. Since that day, I've wanted to find you and say thank you. And so my friends were like, what was that about? And I'm like, I can't believe it. And so literally, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I wish I wouldn't have complained the entire time, but unbelievable that you could do that. Well, again, fast forward just a little bit later, um, a family comes to the church I pastor, and they've wanted to have kids, but they've never been able to physically have kids. So they just uh, fostered three little kids. And so the first morning that these three little kids came with this couple, I met them in the entryway, said hello. They went into the service. After the service, these three little kids come back up to me. And the youngest, he's like in first grade, he says, uh, I know where you live. And I'm like, oh, I'm thinking to myself, he doesn't. He's a first grader. Why would he know where I live? He's a foster kid. I, he's, there's no way. And then he says it again. I know where you live. And I'm like, that's just kind of weird to say to somebody. Then his older sister, I think she's a fourth or fifth grader. She said, and one day, my dad and I, we stopped. And we got a cookie from you and a little girl. And I said, I knelt down and I'm like, what? And as soon as I looked at her, I, 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 it clicked immediately. She was the young girl who came with her dad that day. And I actually silently prayed for her because it seemed like she was in a hard situation. And so I, I actually, I knelt down and I said, that day I prayed for you because you just, you just are such a beautiful girl, but it just seemed like you were maybe going through some hard stuff. And she said, she said, my dad, always loves walking by your house. I was like, what? She's like, he just, he just always loves. He knows that he, like, he just likes to talk to you or something is what she said. So they left the foster parents later that day, messaged me and said, we can't believe this. And all I could think the rest of that day is to think how much I grumbled and mumbled and complained. And it's, Lately, what I'm getting to is the things that I think are big things in life, you know, like writing books and large churches and whatever. I feel like God's just saying like, those things are actually really small things. They're Mm -hmm. here today and they're gone tomorrow. But Adam, do you want to know what the big things are? Like, do you want to know the things that will change the world and last for all eternity? Baking chocolate chip cookies to feed a man who's just lost his job. Baking chocolate chip cookies to give one to this little girl so that you can pray over her so that she can come to your church one day and, and connect the love of God with, with actually action and maybe now hear from God herself. And so like that's the type of thing, like as far as what do we get? I just think about all the rat races that we run in our yeah. lives and all the things we try to build up and 
houses, you know, like if you have a really, really big house, that would actually in about 50 years from now be a perfect house to split into like mini apartments and like chop up uh, in, in a low in area, low income area of town. Like that's just crazy to think like the bigger the house, the better it would be for small, tiny apartments, you know? So all those things are going to come and go, but what's in it for me? These simple acts of love to people who don't deserve it, just like we don't deserve it. Those are the things that I think at the end of our life, we'll look back and and we'll say, man, I wish I would have done more of that. Oh man, so good. And you said something just at the end that I think is so powerful that giving love when pe- to people who don't deserve it because we don't deserve it. And that is, that's so powerful right there because, you know, we're like, oh my gosh, look at them and they did this and they did that and they're so annoying and they don't believe this way, blah, blah, blah. Have we ever believed something wrong and we looked back and thought maybe I was wrong about that? Have we ever, you know, lost our temper? Have we ever been guilty of doing something that we look back and thought even ourselves that we were totally obnoxious? I know I have. And giving grace to someone who you see the wrong, but we've all been in those shoes. We've all been there. We we've <laughs> we've all been there. Like I always, I, you know, like every so often doesn't happen often very much for for the most part. Thank God for that. But you'll have someone who wrongly judges you and this kind of thing, you know, like wrongly makes an assumption about you or like just has a bad experience somehow, some way. And what I always want to say back is like, it's actually so much worse. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, like that person who's hating on you and like, you know, like typing passive aggressively about you. It's just like, no, like the blog post I could write about this fool named Adam Weber, you you would never want to listen to him ever again. Like, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. I, th- I think if we just have that humility and that, you know, that's the the sinner and the tax collector, the sinner, whoa, is me. I'm a, I'm a sinner. Like, I think that if we just keep a part of that, um, not live into that, but if we just keep that of, wow, I've been so ugly at points. I've been so self-centered two-faced i've been fickle i've canceled on people last second just like i maybe had someone cancel on me like i think if we keep that to the forefront it just brings joy and it brings gratitude and thankfulness and humility and that's a wonderful thing to be around but it's even better it's a wonderful life to live like it's just such a good way to live a life of gratitude a life of joy is so good and um, I, I just think that's what comes the more that we just, we just get, we just use that muscle of showing kindness. And now it, you know, it's, it's been tested even in the last couple of months, just with like our world and stuff for me. But I, I think just living in that every single day of like, who can I go out of my way to love and serve today? It's just such a great life to live. And I feel like what a lighter load to carry versus, oh my gosh, this person gets on my nerves immediately saying, hmm, I've done something similar to that. And and seeing grace and forgiveness, oh, I just think about the hundred pounds just left off your back instead of simmering in it and 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 this and this and that, you know, golly, that just sounds so so much heavier of a load than just <laughs> seeing the grace. Yes, that 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 is so true. And you can you can see that when other people do that. Uh, you can you can see you, you, you just want to say to the person, life doesn't have to be this hard. Yeah. You know, like you you we all have those people that that family member where it's just like, oh my gosh, it does not need to be like this. Do you see how miserable you are? And yet, 
God, would you just would you just help us to look into the mirror and to see those moments and places in us where it's just like I don't want to be like that anymore. Um, I that's that's it's such a lighter load. That's a wonderful way of putting it. Okay, well, you touched on it, and you know we talked about the acquaintance that you have, you know, something disagreeing on. But what about when it gets deeper? A romantic relationship, a sibling, a mother, a father, a deep rooted relationship where there is some, some stuff, (laughs) some areas of unforgiveness. Um, How do we work through all of that? That's a great question. One that I'm definitely still on the journey on. I think to approach it with uh, great humility, uh, to really check our emotions and uh, to, to kind of challenge ourselves of, hey, I'm probably not ready to speak yet. You know, we are always eager. I'm an extrovert. I process things externally. I want to fix things right away. And that usually doesn't result in great, great things. And so I think really challenging myself of, of and just anybody listening, like, am I speaking these words out of love or out of hurt? And it's okay if the answer is hurt, by the way, too. Um, but just like, what do, what do I want for my outcome? Um, to be specifically, I'm thinking like marriage right now, but I think to, to use our words as wisely as we can, like, I want this conversation to be life-giving. I think something too asset wise that we do not lean into enough is counseling and finding a solid Christian counselor. My my wife and I, like we, we both see counselors separately. Um, and we've gone, even this last summer, we went a couple of times, uh, just to like do a tune up. I actually just brought it up the other night and we weren't in the middle of anything negative at all. I said, we should go again. She's like, yeah, that'd be good. And I'm like, oh yeah. So I think just to utilize that is such a huge thing. Marriage wise to, to make sure you're both connecting to God on a regular basis is a critical thing as well. But I, I think with, with like, like maybe family members, I think just to be wise and even maybe to study like yourself a little bit, when does this conversation go negative? Or at what point does this become unhealthy? Or is there a certain place that when we meet even or hang out, like I'm thinking of like parents or in-laws even, of like, gosh, it goes really, really well. But then whenever we talk about X, that's when it goes sideways. Well, don't talk about X. And again, and maybe just like mention like, hey, if it's okay, let's not talk about that. Like, I just don't, I don't really like who I become. And, oh, okay. Like, I think that will be received well. It might not be, you know, but I think just to be wise of even, even like, gosh, you know, the first day that we're together as a family is awesome, but we always are together for three days over Christmas or something. Well, don't stay together for three days then. Like make it, make it a two day occasion or uh, whatever it might be. Um, Maybe even just to, to mention like, Hey, I think just to be clear and kind is also something that's important too. And when it comes to conflict, of just of just saying, "Hey, I f- this is how I feel in these situations," if that might not be received well, like, and so you need to use wisdom in that as well. I, I think to to even talk to a counselor about that. Hey, I have a broken relationship with my sibling. What can I say? What can I do? Just to seek the counsel of others is huge. This morning, actually. I had one of my best friends that's not a family member call me about a situation. Uh, and he said, um, what do you think about this? And all he was doing was seeking another opinion. And I told him, I'm like, you know, I, you know, I'm not a counselor. And I just shared my thoughts. And immediately he's like, that's it. Like, that's, that's it. And 
he said, I let emotion get to me. And he's like, but that is, that's what I'm supposed to do is what, so I think just even getting the opinion of somebody else is huge, but again, continually, maybe before you enter into the room with that person, praying about it and asking for God's strength, asking for God's, cause you know, you get riled up when you're around that person or you get fired up, like a- ask for God's patience and kindness. Um, and just, just I think just be wise about it, even for me. So kind of a really tangible example. I have a meeting one time a week that we walk through my message with a group of eight or nine people. And it's a tense mess, a meeting for me, because usually when I go into that meeting, I'm exhausted. I've been working on this message for 10 hours. I'm now going to open it up for all kinds of criticism because uh, that's what I do. I, like I go to that group asking for their feedback. But I, 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 I look at that meeting and I think one of the things I'm actually going to say to that group is say, hey guys, just so you know, when I come into this meeting, here's kind of where I'm at person-wise. Um, just so you know, I'm a little, I am a little tired and I don't want to be, but I, I come in a little on edge in this meeting. That, whoa, that's great to know. Like if I know somebody, like if I know that about another person, that's helpful to know. So it might be as simple as that. It's like, I'm not this way in any other meeting. And as soon as this meeting is done, I feel like a different person. But if, if, I, if I ever feel a little tense in this meeting, that's why. And I'm working on that because I don't want to be tense even in this meeting. But I, I just think that takes maturity just to share that and then to process that. And I think so often we don't just take those moments to stop and like evaluate, why am I feeling this way? When this person says this, why does it bother me? so much. Yes, they, they might have to make some changes, but there's something in me. Maybe just like you said earlier, it reminds them of past Christians and how Christians handled them. Um, maybe it's something in us. Like when someone says uh, in a kind way, hey, could somebody else do that? They're not meaning they don't want me to be a part of it anymore. Like they might just see a strength in somebody else. They're not that automatically is not a negative to me just because I felt overlooked as a kid or something. You know, I think sometimes it's just really emotional health that might be missing. So good. I um, always think about, you know, if you win an argument, what do you actually win? Yes. <laughs> There's no trophies. <laughs> yes. And, you know, the restored relationship is so much better. And I also thought about, um, as you mentioned, as it pertains to family, what I've seen in a lot of cases is, you know, you mentioned perhaps someone will go to a counselor. Why am I estranged from my sister or whatever? But people don't put in the work I have seen more often than not. Like they just think, oh, well, they're wrong. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm just never going to talk to them again and write them out of my life. And we've talked about this a little bit, but that's kind of that drinking the poisoning and hoping someone else will die, right? Isn't that just harboring those feelings? And what I also say, because I've experienced this in my own extended family, it always affects more people than just you. Yes, yes. There is a place for for boundaries. Like I think having boundaries that there's somebody that, gosh, this is just maybe a toxic person. But most of the time, it is, there is something inside of us And so even if we walk away from that person, we're going to walk into another relationship with another person carrying the same garbage with us. And so I think to deal with it and to, to look deep within us and not to, not to take the blame if somebody's clearly wrong, but God, again, why do I, why do I respond this way? 
I think so often it's so much easier to cut off a relationship instead of maybe dealing with some stuff in that relationship and in ourselves. And um, gosh, I, I want to deal with that. Like I, 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 I want to become more like Christ. The older I get, I want to be, I want to be healthier. I want to be a life giver. Uh, I, I want to enter into hard conversations with people uh, for their benefit, for mine. Um, I, I just, I, I value that more and more and more. Those relationships that have weathered storms together are the strongest relationships in my life that I give oh, thanks good. for. And I think we don't yeah. have, we don't have depth in friendships because we walk away from anybody who has wronged us, hurt us, screwed up one time. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh my gosh, we are missing out on this. I, I, this the other night I was talking with a guy, uh, he's 83 years old and he was telling me about his, uh, he had just called his, he's like, I was just talking with the best man in my wedding. We've been married 60 years, like my <laughs> wife and I, and uh, he's now in a nursing home. And I, I said, aren't friendships like that wonderful? And he's like, he said, I don't know what I would do without a friendship like this one. Oh, that's good. And yet, like, do we have those types of relationships? I think a lot of times we don't because we do check out or, or you know, like block somebody, like not even just on Facebook, but like in life, uh, yeah. just in conversations. It's like, oh, that person hurt me, so I'm not going to engage with them anymore. And it's like, we're, you're going to walk away from years of friendship or, or whatever because of that. That just is sad. Wow, that's so powerful. Like a muscle, there's tearing and there's pain, but it gets stronger when you can overcome that. And that's so true. Look at the best relationships. You know, think about our marriage. Of course, there's been a time or two when we wanted to kill each other. Yeah. (laughs) But working through that and overcoming that and now like, oh my gosh, how much we have grown and loving each other deeper because of those areas of frustration that, oh, you just touched on, you need to write another book on just that right there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, it's, well, it's something I'm definitely learning. Like I, I just, I, I feel like in the last three years, because of a season of hardship, God has gotten me to the healthiest place that I've ever been. And I think, I thank God for that. I think I'm so thankful. Uh, God promises to complete a work in us. Cause sometimes I feel, you know, I've had moments where I've, I'm like, I, I don't think you can fix me, God. I like, I don't think you can I don't think you can do this in me. I feel like I'm too broken or too jaded or too used or walked on or tired. And I think for that person who feels that way, um, it's not true. Like every day is a new beginning. Now we walk through like how to forgive and all that kind of stuff. But I just want to ask a final question. What does it look like to love after you've been hurt? It's uh, (laughs) I'll say this. It's scary. And it, and it takes stepping out. Uh, knowing the risk that you might be hurt again. And there's, there's being wise. So there's boundaries and there's being like, okay, who, who do I want to let into the deepest parts of me? You know, I might want to use a little bit more, more, more wisdom and, and caution with that, but to not love again, like not even like, I'm not talking dating relationships, marriage, to not love people again, to not enter into relationship is a greater tragedy than being hurt. Yeah, it is. Like yeah. we are not meant to live life alone. We are meant to have relationship. And so I think for that person who's been hurt, and again, I felt three years ago, I really had this fork in the road moment of like, Adam, you can either become this jaded old person that you've never wanted to be, or you never thought you were, or you can allow me to heal you and and bring you into this new 
more wonderful season of life. And I just, I did not want to become that angry person. And so for, for me, it's going to take, it's going to take stepping out just little by little and dealing with your brokenness, dealing with your hurt in a wise way, whether it's counseling, bringing it to God, talking with friends, whatever. But I, w- I would just challenge you to not stay, don't build up a concrete wall around you. Don't become this jaded, like defensive person. And that just takes one day at a time of I'm going to love somebody. And I think going into it, if you, if you have the assumption, I have no expectations of them. I don't expect them to kiss my butt, to give me something to be perfect. Like, I think just to go into it, like, nope, I'm just going to love, I'm just going to love people um, out of God's love, not my own. And, um, and that's, that's my part. And I think, I think just one day at a time, if there's a few safe people that you can start with, start there. If, if you're just like, this is a safe, healthy individual, this friendship wise, maybe it's even grabbing coffee with that person just to kind of build that trust up with somebody. And I think we have those safe people in our lives. And then maybe that person who is a little bit harder to love or that person who reminds us of somebody who hurt us in the past. Again, there's wisdom, but it's like, God, I'm not going to stay at this place. And for me, I just, I, I had to force myself to love people again, <laughs> like to make chocolate chip cookies to, I had a, a neighbor kid that I ended up bas- uh, lining up a basketball hoop for him. And uh, he did, still to this day doesn't know that I'm the person who got it for him. And like, oh, it's, it's wow. just like those types of things. Um, I mean, just, just looking for every single day, God helped me to go out of my way to find one person that I can love today. That would be my, my challenge to someone who's been hurt and just one day at a time and just see, see God work in that and see God heal you through that knowing that, Hey, there's going to be someone who takes this the wrong way or someone who's upset with me or somebody who reminds me of my past, but I'm not living out of that. That's not my focus. I'm moving forward because I don't want to become this other person. Yes. And the lighter load. load. I'm picturing someone skipping on a sidewalk versus someone carrying a 20,000 pound backpack of, you know, anger and unforgiveness. Like, oh my gosh, I want to, I want to be skipping. I'd rather be skipping. Yes. And not even carrying a backpack, but like carrying a backpack while walking through like deep mud. Yes. Right. In the rain. Yeah, in the rain <laughs> with a strong South Dakota wind behind it. Like I'm like, I'm like that seems like a miserable existence. And uh and we have we don't wanna we don't wanna go that route. That's not the life we wanna live. Yeah. I wanna skip in the sunshine. Yeah, and Brene Brown says vulnerability and love are two sides of the same coin. You can't have one without the other. That's so, so good. It's true. Yes. It's true too. Yes. Well, Adam, I am like giddy over this conversation. And I think that I personally am going to listen to it like five times. And I hope that our listeners enjoy it too, because we all have junk and we all have hard relationships and human beings are complicated. And we, that means we're sometimes hard to love myself included and everyone listening included. And meaning we have to exercise and give grace to the people in our life that are also hard to love. And that doesn't come easy, but you have a lot of expertise in that. So thank you so much for sharing. Oh, Katie, thank you so much for the, just the time today. And thanks for being a life giver yourself. And just this podcast, it's so cool just to think about all the people that it's impacted. And so I'm truly, truly honored and grateful for today. Oh, you're the best. Okay, before we let you go, if you could have coffee with your 20-year-old self, what would you say? Gosh, 
run your hands through your hair a couple of times because you you're not going to have hair forever. That'd be the first thing. The second thing, the second thing I would say is like, don't play it safe. Just go for it, dude. Like that's going to be the coolest, raddest trip ever. Like just lean into it even more. Like you're not qualified. You'll never be qualified, but just start going for it and cool, fun, crazy things. And you're going to get hurt along the way and uh, like work on yourself, like work on your, your dark side, your imperfections, work on those because they'll only hold you back. But man, it's going to be a fun ride and just love people well and be even more generous. I love it. Ah, Adam, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. This was great. Oh, guys. Huh. Did we did we just solve all the world's problems? <laughs> I know we didn't, but hopefully we at least made a difference for one of you out there. And if it's you, I would love it if you share this message on social media. Just take a screenshot wherever you're listening right now and share it. If you tag me at Katie Bulmer Life, I would gladly reshare it. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you all of you who share your review on iTunes. So fun fact, reviews is how magical internet fairies are able to make sure other girls find it. So sharing an iTunes review and putting it up on your social is the best compliment you can give me. Thank you so much for showing up. And I hope today that you gain some truths for your 20s.